fascists in Europe. Maybe I shouldn't make that noise right into <laughs> the microphone. <laughs> I'm Moraine. And I'm Harry. And this is A for Effort. The show where we each bring three words, terms, or phrases based on one theme each. And the other person has to guess what they are based on their etymology, based on the theme, based on our own understanding of the word or previous, you know, coming across of the word. And then uh, each guess is given a score out of five. And then at the end we tie them up and the winner gets nothing. <laughs> yes. Last week, you went first, so this week, I'll go first. That's how it works. (laughs) Unless we forget the order. I have no idea. Which sometimes happens. All the time. It's pretty random. I don't even, I honestly couldn't say who went first last week. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So my theme this week is methods of neuroscience. Oh, wow. Yeah. My first term is transgenic animal. Okay, so trans, across, or between. Genic, would that be genes, like DNA? Animal, clearly a kind of car. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> animal so you know animalia of the family something that changes its genes an animal that changes its genes an animal that switches between genes methods of neuroscience mm-hmm. so that's ways of doing ways of studying scientifically the ways in which the brain works yes right an animal that switches between genes that changes genes that is in the process of evolving, but how does that have to do with methods of neuroscience? I don't right. know. Give me a hint, please. <laughs> yeah. So I would say... I'm floundering. Your your basic breakdown is heading in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I would say you're North. conferring a lot of agency to the animals. Okay. But okay. it's people doing the research. Oh, okay. You know, you've described it as like an yes, animal yes. who... But it's the researchers... My first thought is like switching researchers moving an animal from one genomic family to another, so to speak. It's Uh, not as large scale. Okay. Researchers putting new genes into an animal? Yeah. For like research purposes? Yeah. So you add DNA to the genome of an animal. Uh, An example of that would be you have an oxytocin receptor promoter, Mm -hmm. and that's where transcription starts <laughs> you, you've picked a good simple example for me i'll try to give it a more basic example let's pretend that. that there's a gene that makes your tongue what i do is stick like a green colored gene mm-hmm. before that one so that every time your tongue is made by your genes it this turns, green color green. is made first mm-hmm. so, got a so green you have tongue. a green tongue yeah okay I get that green tongue. That's something I can I can understand. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like a green thumb. It's like a gardener. Except you love to eat vegetables, maybe? <laughs> it's, yeah, green that's thumb. the green herbivore thumb. gene. Ah. <laughs> yeah, the professor in this behavioral neuroscience 2 class mm-hmm. uh, would distinguish between transgenic mice, where you're adding DNA to the genome, and yes. conditional knockout mice, where you're splicing genes out. So you're not adding anything in. You're taking things out. Okay. So if I wanted you to not have any tongue, then I would cut out. <laughs> you got <the> no <laughs> no tongue. Yeah. Then I would cut out the tongue gene in this example. You just cut out my tongue. <laughs> Seems like a, yeah, a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. But then I would have to film it and make it into a movie called Old Boy. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. So to summarize. Yes. A transgenic animal is an animal to which researchers um, have added 
certain genes for a specific purpose. Yep. Nice. My next term mm -hmm. is immediate shock deficit. Immediate shock deficit. Immediate, sudden, shock, an event, or a reaction. It's a physical shock. Okay, a physical shock deficit. A lack of something. Mm -hmm. And maybe what I'll say is that the physical shock, mm -hmm. right, it's like an electric zap, and yeah. it's used to condition an animal to fear something. Oh, is it the deficit that once you're conditioned, you don't need the actual shock? Nope. Deficit isn't really a lack of something so much as like the difference between one thing and another thing. Is the deficit like a pause or a wait? In this case, it's a lack. A lack. Yeah. An absence? Yes. <laughs> a lack. A lack. Yeah, that's a phrase. <laughs> it's a lack. So if it's in terms of conditioning a response to a sudden shock, yep. when you first do it, there is no reaction. But as you do it, as you kind of iterate the shock, there is more of a reaction or more of a defined reaction. That's not it. It's That kind of sounds like you're describing sensitization. Sure. Um, but maybe I'll try and give you one more hint. But I do think it's tricky to get yes. this. I think it's tricky because of the lack of grounding. Like, mm. because, you know, yeah, if you were grounded, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like, uh, it lacks context. So I'll give you an example. You have a very young mouse and then you have an older mouse. Mm, a lot of mice talk. Yeah, that's because a lot of these papers worked in mice. You put them into a red room okay. and then they explore and whatever. You take them out for a couple weeks mm -hmm. and then you put them in and you shock them mm -hmm. in that room. The adult, the next time it's put in the red room, will freeze, Yeah. but the baby won't. Okay, so that for some, when you're immediately put back into the context in which you were shocked, you like feel it, you get the feeling or you feel the fear of that you're going to receive it. But for the younger ones, you don't, which is describing what you just said in general terms. <laughs> okay, so do you want me to? Yes, please. Okay, so immediate shock deficit is a test of long-term memory. Okay. When you're placed in a room, you don't develop a fear response to a shock immediately. You have to be familiar with the room beforehand mm -hmm. okay. in order to develop a fear response after being shocked there. Okay, so. So if, if you I... have a little yeah. baby mouse. Okay. You put it in this room, it gets familiar, you take it out, but it forgets because it's young. Oh. And so then the next time you put it in and shock it, it won't develop the fear conditioning. Whereas if you have an older mouse, you put it in the room, mm -hmm. it gets used to it. The next time you put it in, it already knows the room. And right. so it will develop the fear okay. response. So the immediate shock deficit is when you're placed into a novel context, you don't develop fear conditioning there. And the knowledge that you don't develop fear conditioning in a novel context is used to test long-term memory because right. if you're put into something that you've seen before but yeah. don't develop a fear response, then you it's don't indicative it. that you don't remember it. Yes. So to summarize, the stupidity of youth. <laughs> yeah. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> the immediate shock deficit is the difference in reaction to being placed in a context in which you were shocked based on if you remember it or if you don't. Yes. <laughs> All right. And my third term is optogenetics. Is that the genetics of the eye? It's not. Damn it. It does have to do with light, though. Light. Okay. Optogenetics. Is that the effect of light on like an exposed genome or something? No. Nope. The use of light to change yeah. the genes? 
to 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 no. interpret genes? Is it understand or change or affect? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's either oh, understand good, or change. It's activate. Activate. Yeah. Optogenetics. The activation of certain genes through exposure to light. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So optogenetics won like technique of the year <laughs> uh, a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And so basically you implant molecules into a cell mm -hmm. that respond to light. Mm -hmm. And then by shining light on that cell, you can activate those molecules and make the cell do what you want. Oh, cool. One is called channel rhodopsin. So you put channel rhodopsin into a cell, you mm -hmm. shine light on it, the light activates the channel and triggers an action potential, and then you're activating that cell. Mm. So for transgenic mice, you mm. would add in uh, channel it rhodopsin. All ties together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you would add in channel rhodopsin DNA mm. coupled to whatever cell you want to be light activated. So if I wanted your tongue to be light activated or I your taste receptors. Green. Not really the turning green, because the green would be Part another thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But like, like activate my taste receptors. Yeah, then I would put the channel rhodopsin sort of before the taste receptors. Mm -hmm. So then every time taste receptors happened, the channel rhodopsin would also happen mm -hmm. immediately beforehand. And then by shining light on your tongue, then I would be activating your taste receptors, which are linked to right. that channel rhodopsin, the, the light-activated molecule. Good Lord. <laughs> So optogenetics is the use of light to activate certain genes within a cell. Yes. Through putting molecules which react to light and in turn influence those genes. Yes. Specific genetic yes. qualities or traits. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Deep work. <laughs> All right. That is the end of round one. All right, round two. So, my theme is the Spanish Civil War. Okay, sweet. Yeah. Do you know anything about the Spanish Civil War? Was it in the 1800s? No. Was it in the 1600s? No. Was it in the 1500s? No. Was it more recently? Very. Was it in the mid-2000s? No. <laughs> it was last year. It just ended. It's a big piece of cord. I don't know how you didn't hear about it. Uh, was it like the Portuguese, Spanish, you know, Iberian? No. Okay, then no. I don't it was in the 1930s. I don't know anything about that. Between <laughs> 1936 and 1939. Okay. It was the, the start of Franco's fascist Spanish regime, which okay. fell in the mid-1970s. Okay, cool. It was between fascist, Catholic, conservative side, which was Franco, the nationalist side, as they were called, and the left-leaning coalition of communists, anarchists, and like liberal Democrats on the other side who lost. Okay, cool. So my first term is self-confiscation. Self? Something you're doing to yourself? Mm, or something? Yes. <laughs> some way that you are relating to yourself. Yes. Confiscation, mm. taking something away. True. So is it taking something away from yourself to give it to the war effort? No. <laughs> it's not taking it away from yourself is it taking it away from other people using kind of like a citizen's authority no it's it is taking it away from yourself but it's not <laughs> that but the the use of self isn't about the fact that you're taking it from yourself that's not the the emphasis of the self 
So you are taking it from yourself? Yes. This is also on the communist slash anarchist side, that a lot of people are forced to perform self-confiscation to avoid something else. If it's on the communist and anarchist side, then at this period of time, did they have to take away certain products or take away their business or something? Or did they have to refuse business to some people in an attempt to avoid fascist violence? It was more like, you. so you're in a communist-controlled area. Yeah. And you own a business, which right. means you're a capitalist. Yes. So the communists yeah, don't... There's a bit of a... That's how it works. <laughs> so the communists don't like you. And no businesses are supposed to be owned privately. So they can either be confiscated actively by those authorities right. or... Or you can choose to divvy it up amongst a larger group of people, like turn it into a collective? That you choose. Okay. And that's self-confiscation. Okay. So the example that they use in the book I'm reading, which is where I get all the stuff. Got it. Because the the book I'm reading is about the history of Barcelona and Real Madrid, the two big soccer teams in Spain. The president of of Barcelona and the board, they were confronted by the, the specific communist authorities in Barcelona who said that, like, you cannot own this privately. You cannot run this privately. You're going to have to collectivize this or we will we were going to confiscate this and give it to everyone or whatever. Right. And so what they did was they set up their own workers union and they divvied it up collectively so that it was collectively owned by all the employees of the club so that it wouldn't have to be confiscated actively by the communist authorities. So then they returned and then on the like on the front door it was like now has been confiscated by like this workers collective which was one they had just made up to confiscate it from themselves. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So to summarize, self-confiscation is when business owners would create some collective and then indicate that their business had been confiscated, had been taken over by a collective, when in fact they were orchestrating it so that they could keep a majority stake or whatever. So that it could maintain within their control. Right. All right. Next. International brigades. (laughs) Okay. International between nations. Mm brigade i think that's something to do with armed forces i would think so (laughs) like a collection of soldiers Mm -hmm. so if it's the civil war uh we're international brigades groups of soldiers fighting maybe for the left because they're uh ideology has more to do with collectivism as opposed Mm. to nationalism on the far right um so coalitions of soldiers or people fighting for the left from a variety of surrounding countries who just supported like the communist movement yes nice exactly that (laughs) nice sick (laughs) all right my final one calm in turn okay is this a portmanteau? Yes. Yeah. Calm sounds like it could be from communist. Mm, potentially. Intern. <laughs> like unpaid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Intern. Someone who is working in an organization but doesn't necessarily have a lot of professional experience. So a lot of the job entails their being trained. Intern. Also maybe like internment. <laughs> nope okay um it's an organization okay the first oh. one you were right about and the second one is maybe international <laughs> <laughs> so c- communists international 
was that a coalition orchestrating the communist efforts or the far left efforts against the far right? In this context, yes, but it was also a larger organization. Okay, which maybe just had to do with the spread of communism. But, uh, and centralized from one large... Was it Russia? Yeah. <laughs> or was it the Soviet Union? Yes. Okay, so some organization based in the Soviet Union, the agenda of which was to expand the influence of communism yes. internationally. Exactly. Cool. Nice. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. And that's that. <laughs> that is the end of round two. <laughs> All right, I have my scores. Do you have your scores? No. <laughs> okay, cool. Yes. I changed my answer. <laughs> All right. For transgenic animal, I give mm. you five out of five. Wow. For immediate shock deficit, two out of five. Fan fair. <laughs> Fanfare. Fanfare. <laughs> and for optogenetics, four out of five. Nice. So that is a total of 11 out of 15. Nice. Self-confiscation, I give you three out of five. Cool. International brigades, I give you five out of five. Common turn, I give you five out of five. All right. So cool. that's a 13 out of 15. Nice. She's an 87. <laughs> You're very quick to convert. Into percentages. Yes. Yeah, it's my main math skill from <laughs> receiving so many tests and exams. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so if you would like to learn more about methods of neuroscience, I'll link a textbook that goes through introductory neuroscience concepts. It's really well written. The author breaks the fourth wall very often. I found it very engaging to read. So I will link that. And maybe I'll also link some papers that use some of the techniques that I mentioned today. But I don't know if I would actually recommend reading them unless you're interested. They're pretty dry. Great. Majority of my information came from a book called Fear and Loathing in La Liga, Barcelona versus Real Madrid, which is a history of those two soccer teams by a man named Sid Lowe, who is the soccer correspondent in Spain for The Guardian. I also read his... PhD thesis, Catholicism, and the foundation of Francoism, which is the, the uh, Spanish fascism. Okay. And then also Homage to Catalonia by George Orwell, which is about being in Barcelona during the, the Spanish Civil War. Okay. I guess you could also read Farewell to Arms by Ernest Hemingway if you want another interesting perspective of the international brigades because he also fought all right a for effort is hosted and produced by me Mairead. and me harry and is edited by me Mairead. <laughs> not me harry <laughs> yep you can find the show on itunes please subscribe and leave a review that would be great also if you like it tell your friends thanks tell your friends <laughs> also if you'd like to get into contact with us you can no longer find us on facebook but you can email us at a for effortcast at gmail.com all right and we are releasing episodes on a weekly basis so we'll see you next week Goodbye. Bye. Lots of love. <laughs> Best. Best. Cordially, your <laughs> humble servant here. <laughs>you can find the show on iTunes. Please subscribe and leave a review. That would be great. If you'd like to get into contact <laughs> I feel with like us, that's very forceful. That would be great. <laughs>